Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, everybody. It is time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I am Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, we haven't talked to each other in a few weeks now, getting settled into the off season as all football activities cease to exist as we know it for, uh, for a few months anyway. And uh, we just had the Super Bowl as we record this. We had the Super Bowl yesterday. So uh, football season is over and here we are in the long, dark tea time of the off season. The long, dark tea time. But as we are recording this in February, we have good news on the way that spring football will resume uh, about a month from now. Ohio state is going to be, uh, I believe kicking off on March 7th and the actual dates, you know, they're, they're going to spread it out like they normally do, like all throughout April. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the news is not necessarily fast and furious, but we have some things to talk about tonight. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about this show in particular, because we've uh, we we live in a brave new world, Chip, where things happen quickly and uh, multimedia giants can uh, can affect a lot of people at, at uh, you know, with a whim, as we've seen from Twitter uh, <laughs> that. Uh, you know, certain individuals can acquire something and then uh, mismanage them. But um, we know that some of the podcasts and some of the blogs at SB Nation have been affected by the Vox media layoffs recently. 
And one of the things that they are doing is they're they're cutting their support of Land Grant Holy Lands podcast. And uh, the, the, the I guess the the thing I should say is that like for the short term, nothing is going to be different for the for the short term through the rest of this month and potentially through March. There will be nothing different, uh, notably on anybody's part. If you get the land grant Holy Land feed, if that's where you listen to us, you'll still get us there. Although we're in the monthly off season uh, schedule, so you're not going to get a, m- a bunch from us. Uh, if you are uh, a, a subscriber to our regular feed, then again, nothing changes. Where we we do have this show on two feeds, so we're a little bit insulated uh, as opposed to some of our uh, sister shows on land grant Holy Land, in that we. We don't really need a site to continue, and that's good for us because we've been we're at our third website. Yeah, I I mean again, you know, like you said, we're kind of you know we're we're going along with with the news as we receive it, and you know the, the kind of thing you know we've always joked about you know the fact that like this is more of you know like a labor of love uh, you know like this podcast uh, you know so we we are certainly grateful. Uh, to have, have been af- affiliated with land grant holy land but you know like you said it's like uh for those people who have been receiving this podcast uh you know without land grant holy land we'll still be able to continue to do that right so we we are hosted on spreaker as well as in the land grant feed on megaphone that's how we have two feeds essentially and basically the people that have followed us over from the ozone to buckeye scoop to now they haven't noticed any difference or at least they shouldn't have. They whatever our RSS feed is, if they were subscribed, they should never have lost service. And then some people have now uh, discovered us through the Land Grant Holy Land feed, which is great. Uh, and all the other great shows that we have are are outstanding and worth checking out. So you and I are are just kind of maintaining for now the powers that be behind the scenes at Land Grant Holy Land. They're trying to work out a deal where. Uh, whereby they don't have to really move anything or change anything except for potentially the name of the podcast feed of the overarching land grant, Holy land feed that may change. uh, But everything else will stay the same. I believe that if you're subscribed to that, then when the changeover happens, eventually you're still going to get your, your new episodes every time they release one that that's not going to change. You may see a new logo and you may see a new uh, name, but that's about it. So I just wanted to give everybody a quick update on that because it's it's confusing and stressful a little bit for us, and we just need to keep everybody in the loop because uh, uh, one of the things we're not getting right now is a whole lot of information from the people in charge, and um, that's unfortunate. But um, you know, if you are uh, running a, a multimedia a company that's uh, very, very large in size and you are having to cut, you know, local talent, essentially, that cover the teams on a granular level, you've already mismanaged things. So I shouldn't expect any different. Yeah, I again, I I think, you know, we, um, you know, when it comes to uh, land grant, holy land, and we've had a terrific experience i uh, mm-hmm. you know we we continue to we continue to write for land grant holy land yeah that's um, not going to change either that that's going to continue right so you know hopefully we will 
continue to be affiliated with them for podcasting, but rest assured for those of you who do listen to us, you will be able to find us in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Land Grant is not one of the blogs that have, uh, that has been axed, but uh, you know, who knows what the future holds because, um, they've, they've lopped off entire leagues. They've, they've have, they have contracted a bit in the college football space as well. So, uh, luckily, you know, we cover a pretty major college team. Uh, Ohio state has a very large following, so we should probably be the last ones kicked out the door. Can only hope. <laughs> All right. So um, with that out of the way, we'll we'll try to keep you apprised. Uh, please, the best way to keep in touch with us is to follow our Twitter. And that is at Silver Bullets Pod. And it's S-I-L-V-R. There's no E in silver because there's not enough characters. So S-I-L-V-R Bullets pod on twitter follow us there and if we have updates we will push them out there as uh, as quickly as we find stuff out sounds good all right chip let's get into some news so ohio state news for the off season is well let's face it compared to going over games and getting ready for the next game kind of boring Yes, I would concede <laughs> that. I would concede that. But we're not comparing. We're just saying this is this is good stuff. It's interesting news. It's just not. Uh, we just don't get to talk about touchdowns and stuff. No, I mean it, it's definitely it's the kind of thing where you know when we the last time we spoke was in the the aftermath of Ohio State's one point loss to Georgia. Uh, you know, so we were kind of just still you know, trying to make sense of what we saw and what we were feeling. And, and, um, they say time heals all wounds. Um, maybe I need more time because my wound is still, still pretty fresh, but um, time wounds, all heals. Exactly. (laughs) Um, but in the aftermath of, uh, our, our last show, um, some news as far as, you know, player movement, um, and this is actually kind of, you know, in a, in a good way. Um, there were a number of individuals for the most part, this was not a surprise to Ohio state. I don't think to most fans that a number of individuals, um, six individuals to be precise, gave up their eligibility to enter the 2023 NFL draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Whipler, Paris Johnson, um, Dewan Jones, CJ Stroud, and Ronnie Hickman. Um, of those six, and this is just one person's opinion, um, I would say that by and large, five of those six, that was not a surprise. I mean, that was pretty much expected. The one that I would characterize as a surprise, and I feel comfortable saying it as such because the the coaches, Ryan Day, kind of alluded to it as well. Um, Luke Whipler giving up his last year of eligibility came as a surprise to the coaching staff but certainly wish all of them the best. Uh, those six, as well as Zach Harrison and, and uh, Tanner McAllister, so a total of eight players, have been invited to the NFL Draft Combine, which will be beginning at the end of the month. Yeah. So of those that declared, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me is that we had to wait till the last day uh, to get C.J. Stroud's announcement. That was just the cruelest, cruelest thing. <laughs> and I and I don't blame CJ. The kid has to make his decision and it's a hard decision. And and I'm sure 
His heart said he would like to stay. His head said, lots of money, and this is what you've worked your whole life for. And mm -hmm. who knows what happens if you get hurt. And I don't think Luke Whipler helped him any to stay by eliminating yet one more starter from the offensive line. Well, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back on C.J. Stroud, I didn't realize this uh, at the time, but you know, in the in the days following C.J. Stroud's announcement, somebody made the point: Hey, Justin Fields did the exact same thing like the last day, so it was kind of, mm -hmm. you know, now rumor has it, and I want to I want to characterize it as such as that there were discussions in terms of you know possible NIL money, you know, that could possibly make it worthwhile. But I certainly, when when it comes to the NIL money that uh, was possibly in the picture, and again, it was just rumored, it can't compare to what C.J. Stroud is projected to earn as a top five. If if I mean, like, it's entirely, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. He could be the top overall selection. So uh, when it comes to that kind of, of I mean, basically like life altering financially secure kind of money that you're looking at he certainly made the right decision absolutely the uh, staying another year could have made could have given him a comfortable um living obviously with NIL but you're talking about first round signing bonus money alone is never have to work another day in your life money whereas you know the NIL money just makes your life you know, comfortable for a while, but you're still going to have to have a job. You're still going to have to work and that kind of thing. So uh, no, no hard feelings with CJ it would have been amazing to have had him back for another year. Uh, but that this is the reality. We, we went into the season expecting him to be gone. Mm -hmm. He had a phenomenal year. Uh, he did nothing to hurt his draft stock. And in fact, I think helped his draft stock quite a bit in the uh, playoff game with his his ability to do whatever it took to get down the field, uh, you know, late in that game and to keep his team in a game against a very good team like Georgia. I think he showed uh, what he's made of. I think he showed that he can, you know, make the jump to that next level. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, it's going to be crucial uh, for CJ Stroud to compete and perform well at the NFL draft combine. I mean, you and I have, have, you know, been around long enough where, you know, a lot of times where players won't participate in the NFL draft combine. I think that's becoming uh, less and less of an issue. I think players are actually opting to participate in the, in the combine as well as uh, their NF, their on-site uh, performance, which I think, yeah. yeah, their pro day, at the end of March, I, th I can't remember. It might be like March 22nd, 23rd. I, I don't have that date in front of me, but um, I think in the case of CJ Stroud, when you have the, dis this, the discussion of, you know, Bryce young, who also declared for the, for the NFL draft, uh, Will Levis of, of Kentucky is also, uh, you know, a highly, at least highly, I, I believe that CJ Stroud is better, but I'm obviously biased, uh, Will Levis is 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 also in the discussion as one of the top quarterbacks. Getting back to that, I think you want to showcase yourself when given the opportunity at the NFL Draft Combine, as well as at your pro day at Ohio State, to show that you are worthy of being that top quarterback selected. 
Yeah. What you see a lot of guys doing uh, is going to the combine, agreeing to be part of it, taking part in some of the the events there, but opting not to take part in other events and, and sort of going for that home field advantage at their pro day to try to, you know, maybe shore up some of the issues that they might have or, you know, maybe improve upon some things they feel like, you know, they don't want to go out and show right away at the combine. And it gives them a little more time to work on those things. So I think you'll see the guys that go to the combine do what most of the top guys have been doing recently, which is to say, I'm going, I'm going to do these three or four things, and I'm not going to do these one or two things. And I'll do that at my pro day. Right. And I guess it, and, and he has agents and he uh, certainly has advisors. Um, I would only hope, and this is just, you know, as again, obviously as a biased uh, Ohio State fan, um, I would think that Jackson Smith and Jigba, it would be to his benefit to participate uh, in the in the draft combine as well as at Ohio State's Pro Day simply because of the fact that he missed the season and the concerns over the, the lingering injury. Has he fully recovered? Because already the, the whispers about, okay, is Jackson Smith and Jigba worthy of a first-round draft choice? You know, in my opinion, that that's, I mean, a ludicrous question, but I can understand we were talking earlier about the money that's invested into these top picks that you want to make sure that you are getting a player that is, is ready to compete and contribute. So I would certainly think that Jackson Smith and Jigba would be one of those people that would be fully participating, but we'll see. Yeah. Every team that passes Jackson Smith and Jigba up that wants a wide receiver, they are going to regret it. They're oh, going to certainly. regret it. They're going to cry in their pillows at night. <laughs> <laughs> certainly well go watch I mean, just all they have to do is go watch chris olave and garrett wilson and what they did this year and keep in mind that jackson smith and jigba is better than both of those players and and by their admission exactly I, i'm glad that you mentioned that because that's exactly it that they that those two fine wide receivers you know who i mean they both were over a thousand yards receiving as, as nfl rookies for their teams uh, the, the clip, I can see it where, you know, Garrett Wilson, who certainly, uh, has never lacked confidence, you know, for him to actually say how Jackson Smith and Jigba <laughs> was, is better. Like it, with the three of them sitting around earth, wind and uh, fire. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. And, and when you were talking about, uh, getting back to, you know, the, the players who declared something that kind of crossed my mind. And again, it's just purely speculation on my part. Uh, you, you know, we were talking about Luke Whipler being kind of the, dis, the surprise decision to, to go mm-hmm. and how, you know, that could have possibly factored into CJ Stroud's decision. I'm, I can only, I can only guess that perhaps Luke Whipler thought in the back of his mind, Hey, I'm coming off of a season where I, I not only played well, but off of a game again, you know, Jalen Carter, who is, was arguably considered, you know, like one of the top defensive players in the, in the draft that he did a, a good job, basically keeping him at bay, uh, protecting CJ Stroud, that that was kind of maybe a showcase opportunity. Like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Now center is one of those positions where, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not usual for a center to be selected high. I know that Nick Mangold back in the day, you know, Billy Price, uh, you know, that Ohio State has had a number of centers who are making a very comfortable livelihood in the NFL. I just, I guess I'm not saying it was it was a bad decision. I'm just surprised because I did not see 
Luke Whipler being projected as a high draft choice. But again, wish him nothing but the best. I'm sure that he'll do fine at the combine and at his pro day in front of the NFL scouts. I think for a center, if you get a second to third round grade, that's probably a trigger to say, let me go, let me go get this done because, uh, you know, you do have that pedigree, that, that, that lineage of great centers from Ohio state. That's going to be in people's minds. And, you know, center is a position that it depends on the depth of the position where you could potentially go. If he comes back for another year and it's a more crowded draft next year, then he could slip further down. So there's a lot of different factors involved Mm -hmm. and, and certainly he and his family and his agent and all that have have explored that. So uh, he presumably knows what he's what he's doing and what he's getting into. So we wish him luck. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're the um, the players, you know, we, we've been talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously uh, Luke Whipler, um, you know, the players who should be projected to go in the first round, you know, uh, Smith and Jigba at some point, a first rounder, Paris Johnson, CJ Stroud, and Dewan jo- uh, Jones, uh, from what I understand, uh, at the senior bowl was impressive to the point where some people were saying, like, possibly late first round, definitely, you know, high second round. So, you know, you, you're looking at, you know, arguably, you know, you know, four players who should be high NFL draft choice, uh, choices at the end of April. Yeah. I, Dewan Jones is just a giant man who (laughs) really in some ways is still learning the game and has uh, incredible um, wingspan. And if, if he can get coached up, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for him in the NFL, because if he can, if he can hold guys off, um, you know, you, you saw what a great offensive line could do just in that Super Bowl. The Mm -hmm. Eagles looked amazing on the offensive line. And and then as the game went on, the chiefs offensive line actually asserted themselves. So um, I think there's such a, there's such a, a thin razor thin margin in the NFL that the top teams it's the game still won and lost in the trenches. Everybody's got great pass rushers. Uh, everybody's got great wide receivers. It, it really comes down to, you know, can you protect your quarterback? Because you, you know you're going to get to the Super Bowl if you have a great if you get to the Super Bowl or even close to it. That means you have a pretty good quarterback, and if you can keep him upright and keep him from getting pressured and, and into making mistakes, then uh, you know things are going to go well. So I think Dewan Jones has a a bright future if he can continue his development. Uh, we saw it in his uh, time at Ohio State. We saw him go from just sort of that um, almost a, a novelty to put him on the field. And then, uh, you know, he he became a, a really good player over the course of his career. I completely agree. All right. So uh, we've got some other items to discuss in terms of, of players, the transfer portal and things like that. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a, a minute or two here. But before we take our break, I do want to say that, um, you know, our condolences go out to the friends and family of Demetrius Stanley, who passed away within the last uh, just a few days ago, really, uh, as we record this on Monday night, the 13th. Um, I wrote a story about him for that ran on Land Grant Holy Land because I, I think it's important to remember his legacy. And he's Demetrius Stanley's not a player whose name jumps out at you when you think of the great wide receivers at Ohio State. Uh, he really only had one, you know, really good season. And when you when you look at his statistics from that season, it's 
you you go, that's like what the third receiver at Ohio State has in a season now, you know, but you're thinking of it as now. But back then, you know, Ohio State was a this was a, a three yard and a cloud of dust team. The top receivers, it wasn't common for a top receiver in Ohio State to get a thousand yards in a season. That's become very commonplace now, but that's not the way it was then. And and Demetrius Stanley was kind of a um, I don't know that he played much his, his freshman year, but his his uh, sophomore and junior seasons, he he was uh, you know a bench guy, a depth guy, and uh, and then his senior year he was a, a starter for the first time, and he was really blossomed, led the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns. And you and I will remember very fondly some of his biggest moments. And of course, you know I, I mentioned some of them in the story. We talked about the 199 yard game against Wisconsin in a an absolute dogfight of a game that. If Ohio State had lost that game, they don't make it to the Rose Bowl that year. And then, uh, you know, talk about that Rose Bowl. Demetrius Stanley was a key figure in that Rose Bowl. If if not for him, you know, who knows what ha- what what would happen? And and you know, the seventy-two yard touchdown that he scored was big, and that's obviously an easy one to point to. But like I pointed to, he had two key third down receptions on the game-winning drive that kept drives the drive alive, but also. He pulled two defenders with him that allowed David Boston to score the winning touchdown. Yes, my uh, just to, to kind of piggyback off what you said, um, my condolences to the family and friends of Demetrius Stanley um, on his passing. He was 48 years old, uh, you know, to leave behind, I believe, a, a wife and, and child, um, you know, a very sad, you know, tragic story. And my compliments to you because I did. I read your article uh, earlier today um, when it was published on Land Grant Holy Land. Um, what I remember, not only about the Rose Bowl um, and what you just said, I also remember Demetrius Stanley coming up big in the 1995 game at home against Notre Dame, as well as on the road mm-hmm. um, in 1996 at Notre Dame. Uh, Demetrius Stanley with you know a very acrobatic, difficult catch in the end zone uh, with the sun in his eyes, you know, uh, basically readjusting on the fly to to catch a pass from Bobby Hoying, um, you know that that helped that that kind of helped Ohio State eventually get past Notre Dame in that game, and, and you know the, the 1996 game he nearly led, um, uh, you know, like a kickoff return for a touchdown on, on in the opening the very opening play. So you know the the fact that like you said he wasn't in terms of like the the stats don't really show the the whole story of Demetrius Stanley his contribution to Ohio State football especially in that 1996 season uh, as you said you know he was crucial if you're the leading receiver on your team and that team has David Boston on it and D Miller I mean <laughs> that's that's pretty good it and I don't think it can be the reason I wrote that article chip is because you and I are old and we <laughs> remember and a lot of our listeners, a lot of the people who read Land Grant Holy Land, even the, a lot of the people that work and write at Land Grant Holy Land are not old enough to remember him as a player. And it's up to us to tell his story and to make sure that he is remembered and why he's why it's important that he's remembered. And, and Demetrius, again, I mean, I don't know that he was anybody's really favorite player other than maybe his family and friends, but he was a necessary player. And if, if you think back to that, 96 season it had been uh what 20 some years since ohio state had won a rose bowl 
um, had lost four straight trips to the Rose Bowl, and things had not been going well for John Cooper in his career at Ohio State. And they finally get a year where they get to go to the Rose Bowl. And uh, Arizona State, you know, you look at, you think about Arizona State now, and really even throughout history, Arizona State traditionally not a power. That Arizona State team could have won the national championship if Ohio State hadn't won that game. Oh, certainly. So that's Absolutely. what they were up against. They were up against a team that could have been crowned national champs, and they were the underdogs in that game, and they went out and fought hard. They took the lead on that 72-yarder to Demetrius Stanley, and and that was an 88-yard drive, and he made two big plays on that drive. He, he caught a pass that was really low from Joe Germain on the, the previous play and, and uh, gained a first down. And then, of course, he shook loose and got the long touchdown. But um, then they had a chance to even extend their lead, had a kick blocked, gave up the lead as uh, Arizona State scored and only had a couple of minutes to go down the field. And Joe Germain let him down the field. And again, Demetrius Stanley was, was his key target on those third downs. Yeah, he was definitely, like I said, he was one of those unsung heroes um, of that of that 1996 team. But like you said, his contributions certainly, you know, as you said in your article, you know, kind of what I said, you know, as far as like, you know, coming up big with with clutch plays when needed, uh, you know, the 1996 season would have been dramatically different if, if not for the contributions of Demetrius Stanley. Yeah. And I mean, you don't even have like a big pro career to point to and, and to remember him that way. He had, you know, a couple of years in the Canadian Football League, a couple of years of uh, the Arena Football League, but, you know, not, uh, he wasn't a, an NFL staple for, you know, eight, 10 years or whatever. Uh, so you know, this was my way of, of saying, look, this is a guy who a lot of you maybe didn't didn't see him play. Maybe you saw him but forgot about him. But here's why it's important to remember who he was. And um, and you know, 48 years old is is far too young to be taken from your family and friends. And um, you know, prostate cancer, I believe, is what he uh, he had passed from a four year battle with that. And it, it was tough news because you and I, like I said, we remember seeing him play. And he's younger than me. <laughs> but uh, it it was important for me to tell that story, even even just a little bit of that story. Uh, and you know, there's not a lot of uh, great resources uh, on him. Um, you know that that sort of period of Ohio State, you you kind of look at the like the the Ohio State Almanac or whatever, and and things like that. But those are just capsules. There's not really much there. You have to really dig deep and go. Um, find video and, and find uh, clips of games and things like that to really to get a sense of him. But I, I think it was important to tell his story and to honor him, um, you know, and and hopefully some folks read that story and and learned a little bit about him and saw a couple of the, the clutch plays that he made. Well, I enjoyed the story. I'm, I'm happy you wrote it. Great. Well, thank you. All right. So let's get on to happier news, but uh, we're going to take a quick little break we're going to talk a little bit about the returning players for 2023, some transfer portal departures, additions. We're going to talk about uh, the coaching staff a little bit, and we're going to get to all of that right after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back, Chip. And why don't we get to... Let's get to the transfer portal next. What uh, what happened since you and I last spoke in the transfer portal for Ohio State and against Ohio State? Okay. Well, I mean, Ohio State, as far as additions, uh, you know, this was kind of, you know, it's one, it's one of these things where Ohio State, I think in, in previous years, I would say that Ohio State has been, uh, you know, kind of I, I, selected, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, in the sense of, uh, you know, like a player here, a player there. Now, granted, they've d- they've done well. Uh, you know, when it comes to you know, like we were talking in the earlier segment about you know, like Justin Fields, you know, is an example of you know a, a player from the from the transfer portal, Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like they they've done well in in the transfer portal. This the Jonah this Jackson, year, uh, Jonah exactly, Jonah Jackson. Um, they they were a little bit more active, uh, specifically within the secondary. Uh, they actually went and uh, were able to get two players, um, one of whom is actually on campus now. To the best of my knowledge, the other is not, but I could be mistaken because, again, it's one of these things where um, when we when the news broke that this individual was was coming to Ohio State, the second semester had already started. So it, that's why I'm kind of you know hedging my bets there. Um, but, you know, as far as the transfer portal, uh, Ohio state is, is welcoming in, uh, a couple of defensive backs. The first is Jihad Carter, a safety from Syracuse, uh, uh, that, you know, he is, I guess, possibly in line to play at one of the, the safety spots since this is kind of, you know, you're looking at, you know, three safeties, uh, with Tanner McAllister and Ronnie Hickman off to the NFL. Uh, that, you know, Jihad Carter is one of these guys who could come in and possibly start right away. The other player that I'm not sure in terms of, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, like that, that he, uh, is going to be participating in, in spring football, but I'm just kind of confused by that because he announces, uh, that he was going to be joining Ohio state after the second semester started was a cornerback. From Ole Miss by the name of Davison Igbenison. Now, the great thing about Davison Igbenison is that he was a freshman All-American, played uh, uh, against SEC competition, so he could certainly come in uh, and make a contribution in the secondary. We certainly know that Ohio State needs, uh, you know, more bodies in the secondary. I'm just not sure, you know, how this is all going to work if he's not enrolled in classes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'll let the smart people figure that out. But uh, I, I definitely think that these were some needed additions. This is an area of the team that, let's face it, it was a very weak link for the uh, for the Buckeyes in the 2022 season, and it has to get better. It has to get better in that in that area. The 
you know, the defense has, uh, has had its issues. Uh, it, it was improved this year, but I think it had some breakdowns late in the season that, and maybe got exposed late in the season and which was a terrible time to expose it. But, uh, um, unfortunately, uh, that was the problem in the, in the Michigan game. It was the problem in the playoff game against Georgia. And it's still, those were still winnable games. I know everybody likes to point to the final score against Michigan, but that was a close game in the fourth quarter, uh, until a couple long broken runs late, um, and of course, we know the Georgia team, uh, the Georgia game came down to a field goal that was missed. So, uh, you know, just make one play here or there and it can completely change the trajectory of that season. So uh, it would be great if these guys could come in and make an impact or at least push the players that are there to make a bigger impact. Certainly. And another player not in the secondary who um, is already at Ohio State, uh, Ohio State was able to get in the transfer portal an offensive lineman from Louisiana Monroe, Monroe by the name of Victor Cutler. Now, it's one of these things where it was kind of, I guess you could say, when the when the news broke that okay, an offensive lineman was coming, uh, you know, to uh, Ohio State. I think hope rose that oh, an offensive tackle, you know, because that's kind of a need, obviously, with the departure of Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Uh, Victor Cutler did play tackle at Louisiana Monroe, however. Uh, listed at like 6263 and is actually being projected to, to play at center. Now, more than likely, Victor Cutler is going to get the first opportunity to win that starting center job, but is not guaranteed that. Uh, Carson Hinsman, who was a uh, a freshman offensive lineman uh, from last year, redshirted, you know, he will be in the mix. Uh, unfortunately, Jacob James, who was uh one of the backup offensive linemen who also played center uh, is going to be withheld from spring football. Uh, so, you know, this is going to probably be, you know, an opportunity to, you know, for either Hinsman or Cutler to, to win that job probably in the spring. Matthew Jones, we haven't talked yet about, you know, like the players who are returning, but Matthew Jones is certainly an option there as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy, you know, getting back to the whole idea of the transfer portal is that Ohio state a little bit more involved. Um, as it relates to uh, the transfer portal than in previous years. And, you know, in the case of when we talk about Jihad Carter, Davison Igbenison, Victor Cutler, these are guys that should be able to come in and contribute tremendously for the upcoming season. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a wide open competition for the offensive line spots. And you're not doing your fa- your quarterback that you didn't play in blowouts and let him throw the ball. You're not doing him any favors uh, by the fact that you've got you know to rebuild the offensive line completely. So uh, next year we may not see the offense quite as explosive as it's been this year. That's even more important for the defense to uh, to step up. Absolutely. And speaking of the defense, I mean, big news there is you know when it now grant granted he is a graduate assistant and uh you know he's not going to have the opportunity to go off campus but and recruit but he will be heavily involved um with the linebackers is former ohio state linebacker three-time all-american linebacker james laurenitis uh it was announced that he uh is joining the ohio state staff as a graduate assistant uh by and large, you know, all the accounts are that he is going to be heavily involved in the recruiting of linebackers, uh, you know, when they're on campus. 
and will be uh, you know very involved helping out Jim Knowles because even though Jim Knowles is the coordinator, that is the position group that Jim Knowles is involved in. So that's exciting news to have James Laurinaitis a part of the program. Do you think James Laurinaitis knows anything about linebacking? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I will say this much. It was I don't know if you had the opportunity. I don't know if our listeners had the opportunity, but I did watch on YouTube the an interview with him and just to hear him speak so glowingly about you know what Ohio State did for him and what he wants to be able to you know give to the to the young man that he has an opportunity to to possibly coach i i could see why he would be an impressive person if i was the you know the parent of of a recruit uh you know to be around james laurinaitis and think like okay our son would be in in great hands uh you know under you know james laurinaitis uh guidance yeah I think he's a great ambassador for the program, and uh, just that alone is going to be helpful. But uh, when you talk about, you know, what kind of speeches he can give, you know, recruits, when you talk about what he can do to help develop young linebackers, I mean, this is a great hire. This is a fantastic oh. hire. Well, and he he also kind of he kind of joked about how, you know, kind of you know I, I mentioned Matthew Jones. Uh, you know, as, as kind of, um, you know, in an earlier moment, um, he kind of joked about how he was going to need, you know, Tommy Eichenberg to help him, you know, coach, you know, like, like for Tommy Eichenberg to help him learn the defense so he could coach it. Uh, you know, like, again, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, Tommy Eichenberg is coming back and that, that didn't necessarily come as a surprise to me. If anything, like Tommy Eichenberg, I think, um, you know, in terms of his draft stock, I think, that's not that's not to meant to disparage Tommy Eichenberg as a player. Is that I think with the the modern NFL, there are certain teams that Tommy Eichenberg would be a good fit for. Other teams he would not. And I think another year, uh, you know, involved in this defense, maybe like he can he can raise his his NFL draft stock somewhat. Uh, but the fact that he's coming back, the fact that. Uh, uh, Steel Chambers is coming back. Uh, I think that James Laurinaitis is gonna is he's gonna really benefit from some experienced players that are in year two of the Jim Knowles defense, and I think it's gonna just make Jim uh, James Laurinaitis's uh, job as a graduate assistant coaching linebackers that much easier. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. It's uh, it's easier to coach guys that are already good. Uh, <laughs> it makes you look good. Certainly. Uh, yeah, I, Eichenberg coming back was huge for me. I, I think that he could have gone pro and I, I think he would have probably been maybe a third round pick, but, uh, he's got a chance to come back and, and, and improve his, his stock even more. And, you know, you just, he's just been such a great, um, you know, certain players just get it. And Tommy Eichenberg is a, he's a guy that just gets being a Buckeye. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. He, um, I mean, I know that a lot of the local beat reporters, they, they kind of, you know, joke about how Tommy Eichenberg is a man of very few words. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like he does not really have, you know, he's not going to give you any kind of great sound bites that, you know, you can use for, uh, you know, for an, for an article. Uh, but like you said, he, I think he is truly embraced. Like you said, you know, being a Buckeye, he understands what's that, what that's all about. And I think, you know, he's a, a great ambassador for the, for the program. 
you know, the fact that he's coming back, Steel Chambers is coming back, Lathan Ransom in that secondary, the beleaguered secondary, I think that that can only help, uh, you know, with Lathan Ransom coming back. Uh, Josh Proctor was a kind of a surprise mm-hmm. uh, coming back, but he's coming back for another year of eligibility. You know, uh, you know, on the defensive side, I think having players coming back for year two, I just, I truly believe that for all of the challenges that the defense had down the stretch. And like you said, in those big games, I think that another year of familiarity within the scheme, I think it can only help uh, to, to be improved for year two, you know, and on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, we talked about Matthew Jones. I mean, this, this is, there was a major relief to me. The fact that the Matthew Jones is coming back now he's projected to play, to stay at guard. Um, I know we were just talking about Victor Cutler um, at center. So along those lines, uh, you know, Donovan Jackson um, staying at, at left guard. Mm-hmm. So, so possibly like the interior of the offensive line is set. Mayan Williams coming back uh, at running back to kind of help solidify that running back room. And, and hopefully the running backs don't have the injury bug that they had uh, in 2022. So, I think that the the overall team, you know, it's exciting to see kind of what might possibly be be happening as spring football kicks off in March. Yeah. Now we we figure probably Josh Fryer figures into that offensive line rotation somewhere. Certainly. Josh Fryer. First guy off is, the bench in a lot of these situations. Yeah. yeah. Josh Fryer is a kind of guy that if you would, I guess, by my estimation, would have probably been the likely starter at right tackle however in interviews that i've you know either read online or have have seen you know like on youtube it sounds as though josh fryer is going to get an opportunity to play at left tackle so if if you know there's it's kind of in flux where um you know josh fryer i definitely think is going to start it could be at at right or left tackle Mm -hmm. i think zen mahalski you know is, is one of these younger players that is also going to get an opportunity at tackle. And I think they're going to try to figure out, you know, who are our best five. Um, Enoch Vimahi is definitely going to be one of those, those guys who he's contributed, but I'm not sure if he's necessarily in the starting rotation, but definitely, you know, would be involved, you know, let's face it. I think the offensive line, uh, you know, I mean, I know we were kind of joking about it with Luke Whipler's departure, but it's definitely like you said, accurately, the game is won and lost in the trenches, you know, so I think solidifying that offensive line during the spring is definitely going to be of paramount importance for Ohio State. Yeah, the spring is huge for this uh, offensive line battle. All right. So I might have blacked out when uh, we start talking about little animal uh, coming back to <laughs> Ohio State. But did you mention the transfer portal departures, Chip? I did not. Um, one of the most interesting I was going to say probably, in my opinion, one of the most interesting departures was Javante uh, Jean-Baptiste is leaving Ohio State to go to Notre Dame. Um, now, considering the fact that, you know, he he played, you know, as a role player on the defensive line, I, I was surprised by that, mm-hmm. um, the fact that he, that he left. But it's going to make it that much more interesting when Ohio state goes to South bend at the end of September, uh, you know, to see, you know, what kind of a role he has um, against his former teammates. I think, you know, he's probably the most notable of the, of the departures, uh, you know, some of the others that, that left, 
I'm not taking shots at them, but they were, you know, again, like the, you know, the, the transfer portal, you know, quite often it's okay. They see an opportunity for, you know, uh, more, more playing time. Uh, you know, by and large, you know, Javante Jean Baptiste would have played on this, on this team. So the fact that he left to go to Notre Dame, I thought was probably like the, the biggest news as far as the departures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So let's get, we talked a little bit about one of the coaching additions, the graduate assistant actually, but let's talk about Brian Hartline uh, being named offensive coordinator. And and I believe that this spring is going to be an opportunity for Ryan day to sort of coach him up and to see how he does, or at least how Ryan day perceives Brian Hartline as being uh, a capable play caller type. Because one of the things that one of the criticisms of Ryan Day is that you you got so much things, so many things to manage during a game and you're calling the offensive plays and you're the head coach. Uh, is this holding the team back? Well, mostly I would say no, but there were some notable exceptions to that. And everyone could see what I'm about to say is those those delay a game penalties, those plays that were rushed to get on the field. Um, a lot of plays where you had to take timeouts to avoid a penalty, even on, you know, silly times, like the, the first play of a drive, ha- having to take a timeout to avoid a delay a game on the first play of a drive. All of this comes back to, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Oh, what am I going to call here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not, maybe there's more going on behind the scenes and maybe they need better organization, but this is a way to get better organized. Ryan Day can keep a better eye on things if someone else is tasked with calling the play. And then Ryan Day can be on the radio with them and say, mm, yeah, maybe we don't pl- call that play here because this is what I'm seeing the defense do. I think they'll sniff that out. Why don't we do this instead? There, there are certain plays that he might get you out of that might be bad plays. But at the same time, you know, he doesn't get burdened with the every day or every down responsibility. It's kind of how Urban Meyer did it. Urban Meyer kind of had a play caller and then he would say, no, no, I don't like that play. Let's do this again. Or let's go back to that one play from the first quarter or whatever. And by and large, that worked. It it, it did. And I mean, Ryan Day, basically, you know, when he met with the media, uh, he basically said, you know, this spring, they're going to they're going to see how this is all working. Um, you know, and this is the perfect time to do it. And, and, you know, when you think about it is that, you know, yeah, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get better and you're trying to, to see, you know, what, you know, how everything works. You know, we were just talking about like the offensive line, for example, but, um, that goes for the coaches as well. And I think in, in the case of Brian Hartline, uh, you know, making sure that, okay, you know, we're getting, we're getting the play in on time when they have their there's inner inner squad scrimmages, you know, in the spring game, which is incidentally is, is scheduled for April 15th, um, you know, to basically make sure that, you know, the things are running smoothly and not to belittle uh, the opposition, but the opening game is at Indiana, uh, you know, for the, for the opening game in September, uh, the home opener is against Youngstown state. And then they have w- Western Kentucky before they go on the road to Notre Dame. Um, they've got an opportunity for Brian Hartline to not necessarily, you know, have it mastered, but feel a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm guess I'm of, of the opinion that, like you said, I think Ryan Day is certainly going to be his, his, you know, his hands are still going to be in 
you know, in the, in the dough, so to speak, you know, he's yeah. still going to be involved. I mean, he's going to be um, working on the game, the offensive game plan alongside Brian Hartline. So it, you're going to go into that game knowing this is, these are the things, these are the concepts that we think will work against this team. Certainly. So that part's already installed. Then it's just a matter of calling the plays at the right time. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it should be, it should make for an, it, it should make for, an interesting spring, you know, not that I think that Ohio state is going to divulge a ton of information to the media about how it's going or how it's not going. Mm-hmm. But I you think that, that. <laughs> <laughs> that I think that Brian Hartline, I think by the end of the spring is going to have a better understanding as to what he needs to get better at. I think Ryan day will have a better understanding as to what he needs to help guide Brian Hartline with over the summer. Uh, you know, again, it's not nearly the the stakes are not nearly as high. And hopefully, if not this season, by the beginning of 2024, that Brian Hartline will be able to, to kind of take that completely off of Ryan Day's plate, because that's kind of my belief is that, you know, to use a, a clumsy analogy, you and I both can relate to this, you know, having children, you know, teaching them how to ride a bike, you know, and you know how it is when, when you, it doesn't matter, boy or girl, like in their arms are kind of wobbly, you know, like when they're steering and, and it's kind of like, okay, you know, like, and, and they're basically like, dad, don't let go, like, don't let go. And like the next thing you know, it's like they're riding and they're, they're happy. And it's like, basically it's like they're, they're, they've completely forgotten about all of the trials and tribulations of it. Like, and they're, they're, they're just happy because they're doing it on their own. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I see eventually as it relates to with Brian Hartline and, and Ryan day is that I think Ryan day will eventually, you know, feel comfortable to, to take his hand off of, you know, off of the back of Brian Hartline. Certainly. And I think that if you have a, if you have a Brian Hartline on your staff and he's already getting interest from other schools, the Cincinnati, uh, the job, for example, was a, a widely reported one. You got to do some things to develop him as, as you know, professionally. And this is one of the things you can do to do that. You, you know, at some point, this guy's either going to replace you or he's going to leave and get his own program. That's just mm-hmm. a fact. So how can you keep him the law lo- as long as you possibly can and maximize his potential and have him help you as much as he can is you, you know, you add to his bag of tricks, so to speak. And that cer- cer- certainly that gives him even more of a leg up on, on some of those job offers later, uh, but, and, and makes it sort of makes him potentially the coach in waiting, like we saw with, uh, Jim Leonard up in Wisconsin, but that's just the nature of the, of the beast. I mean, you're in coaching. This is how it works. It's a very competitive business and the understudy, you know, sometimes uh, the understudy looks a lot better when uh, things aren't going well. So, uh, but the the bottom line is it also makes Ryan Day look good if he can develop coaches as well as developing players. Well, one thing that I just thought of as it relates to Brian Hartline that Ryan Day did say beyond you know using this spring, you know, as an opportunity for Brian Hartline to get more comfortable. One thing that Ryan Day alluded to with Brian Hartline that that you and I know and our listeners know, um, Brian Hartline is an exceptional recruiter, and yes. the fact that he is the offensive coordinator that Ryan day has basically said, you know, like that now Brian Hartline beyond just recruiting stellar wide receivers will be more heavily involved in the recruiting of talent across the board for the offensive, you know, for the offensive unit. 
So I think that that's a positive as well. Like you said, like in the maturation process, the development process of him for when he eventually takes over his own program that, okay, he knows what's involved in terms of, you know, getting quarterbacks and linemen and backs and, you know, like across the board, uh, you know, getting involved on the offensive, you know, uh, uh, for the, for the entire unit. Um, so I think, you know, even though we don't really cover recruiting extensively, you know, the fact that, you know, it is reassuring to know that Brian Hartline is going to be involved in the assembly of talent uh, going for 2024 and beyond. I'd let Brian Hartline recruit the defensive backs and <laughs> because he's a good recruiter. And he can also say, look, you're not going to face any better receivers out there than you're going to face in practice. We're going to make you the best defensive back you can be. No, well, I, for, I, I may be mistaken. I think that I believe that that is actually one of the things that attracted Davison Igbenosin to our state is that he knows full well, all right, the talent that is on uh, on Ohio State's roster, you know, going up against that day after day in practice is only going to make him a better cornerback. Now, granted, some of those wide receivers are going to sit out for precautionary reasons this this spring. But, you know, again, kind of what you talked about, you know, like the backups not getting a lot of playing time this past season this is their opportunity to shine in the spring uh to kind of make that make their case so that they can play more this this coming year because in 2024 they will be expected to play yeah now you brought up the uh the guys sitting out and i think that's the the last thing on our agenda we haven't covered yet um and my understanding is julian fleming and emeka buka are among the players that are sitting out um Apologies for not being prepared. I I forget things. <laughs> I'm old. I forget things. I have read the the stories. I have uh I have brought that knowledge into my brain. My brain chooses not to allow me to spit forth that said knowledge. So I'm leaning on you, Chip. Who else is sitting out this spring? Okay, so you mentioned Fleming and Enigbuka. Uh, we talked about Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys where I think they're going to try and have him well rested, you know, considering he played with, you know, two broken hands near the, near the yeah. end of the season. <laughs> Got to uh, Tra- recover. Yeah. Travion Henderson um, is re- recuperating from a broken foot. Uh, you know, so he's sitting out. Mitchell Melton is a guy that I think this is probably on the precautionary side. Uh, you know, he had an ACL injury in the spring game last year. Mm-hmm. So he missed, he missed all of 2022, but he's not participating in the spring. Uh, Court Williams is is sitting out. Um, Evan Pryor had a uh, knee injury at the beginning of the 2022 season. He's sitting out. And we talked briefly about Jacob James as well. So, um, you know, by and large, most of them, you know, like this is, you know, when it comes to like postseason surgery, this is just being precautionary. Don't want to, you know, have any kind of issues that come up that would preclude them from being able to participate in the summer, you know, when when you truly need them to get ready. Um, you know, I have a, this is, even though he's not on the list, I would say Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of those guys that, okay, he's going to be on a, on a mixing my metaphors here on a pitch count. Yeah. Uh, you don't want, you know, especially after the concussion that he sustained, um, you know, you yeah. want to just, I would, be, I would say, look, you, Marv, you sit it out if you want, buddy. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's part of what I always enjoy about the spring game uh, is that, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you're not looking at 
you know, any, you know, great, you know, formations and and plays, so to speak, that you're going to probably see in the fall. But it, it's always an opportunity to see players who have been biding their time on the depth chart, a bunch of newcomers, you know, like, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, like some of these guys, uh, you know, in terms of like wide receivers, like Bryson Rogers, Noah Rogers, uh, Jelani Thurman, like these are, you know, some freshmen that have already enrolled uh, a bunch of the incoming linemen, uh, Josh Padilla, Luke Montgomery, Austin Saraveld, Miles Walker. Now I'm not looking for offensive linemen to be early contributors, but the opportunity for them to participate in the spring game and see how they do against better competition at the, at the college level is always exciting. So like I said, obviously, you know, like the, there's not a ton of information coming out uh, as it relates in the off season, but this is the kind of stuff that they can expect when they come onto this podcast to hear, you know, like that, basically what we know, uh, what we, what we have learned, uh, you know, and what to anticipate from uh, spring football as it kicks off next month. Yeah. Did we talk about Cade Stover in this show? We did not. Kate Stover was one of those guys who is coming back. I neglected, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, so um, Keenan Bailey is, you know, the, I believe we talked about uh, in the previous podcast, the, the new tight ends coach taking over for Kevin Wilson. Uh, and he's excited to have, you know, you talk about, you know, having good players making you look good uh, to have, you know, somebody of the caliber of Kate Stover coming back uh, at tight end to help him as he becomes, uh, you know, the, the, Keenan Bailey becomes the new tight end coach. So yeah, the fact that Kate Stover is coming back is certainly a boon for the offense. Yeah. Hopefully Cade will be healthy. I know he had a tough couple last couple of games of the season, but other than that, he was fantastic all season. Um, Be good to have him back. Uh, You know, this is a, an important spring for a lot of guys. Uh, Who do we think there's always one that steps up every year and kind of makes that leap. My pick for making the leap this spring is Jaden Ballard. Good one. I think Very he's a guy one. who could who could figure more in the plans in the offensive plans this fall. No, it, that makes sense. Uh, like I said, you know the fact that you know Egbuka, Fleming are sitting out. I mean, we joke about Marvin Harrison, you know, you know being on a pitch count. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for Jaden Ballard to kind of take that step forward, and definitely with his speed, certainly should be uh, under consideration to be a player to emerge. So, uh, you know, I definitely think, you know, um, there were a bunch of wide receivers uh, in last year's recruiting class that really didn't make much of an impact. This is their opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I talked about, you know, Bryson Rogers, Noah Rogers, Carnell Tate. I mean, they're talented. So it's like, mm-hmm. if these, if these wide receivers like Jaden Ballard, if they want to see playing time, they've, they've got to seize the opportunity with, you know, the players like Ibuka and Fleming sitting out. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that I think is everything on our agenda, Chip. I think we covered everything we set out to cover. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess the next thing to say would be uh, to ask you, where can people find you online, Chip? They can find me on Twitter at Chip Minnick, last name spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. And like Michael, I am a contributor to Land Grant Holy Land. Look for articles appearing on Friday afternoon around 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, look for uh, a series of articles. We, we kind of touched on you know, some of the different position groups, uh, articles appearing 
starting this coming Friday, kind of talking about the position groups that I'm going to be keeping an eye and ear out for uh, as spring football begins. Um, and then I'm also a contributor to Athlon Sports, some articles about Ohio State football during this offseason as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of those position groups might be long snapper. We didn't talk about the transfers in and out from long snappers. John Furlman um, <laughs> from Arizona State. Uh, yeah, he is definitely you know, projected to come in and start. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, special teams is <laughs> is is always one of those areas that is overlooked until it comes back to bite you. And and you know, that's the kind of thing where John Furlman definitely will be counted on to come in and, and make a positive contribution. Yeah. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Mike36Fan. Of course, you can find the Silver Bullets podcast on Twitter at Silver Bullets Pod with no E in silver, S I L V R Bullets Pod. Uh, you can write to us at Silver Bullets Pods, all spelled out correctly, silverbulletspod at gmail.com. Uh, drop us a line, let us know how we're doing, uh, say hello, ask us a question, something we can answer on the next show. Anything's fair game. It's the off season. We need some. Uh, Need some ideas. We need your help. Yeah. Absolutely. Expecting us to do all this on our own. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just because we've been doing it for a few years doesn't doesn't mean that it comes easy this time of year. We used to just hibernate all uh, off season. So um, we're we're trying to stay more involved in the off season this year. The, yeah. That is that is the goal anyway. Uh, you can read my stuff at landgrantholyland.com. My columns. Uh, generally go live around lunchtime on Monday and I never know what I'm writing about. Uh, it's just kind of, I'm playing it by ear because the off season is if you're not a recruiting guy and I'm not a recruiting guy, cause I just can't keep all of those pieces uh, straight in my head. There's just too much to track when it comes to recruiting as far as I'm concerned. That's a young man's game. Um, you know, then I, I try to stay topical. You, you might see some, um, you might see some stories about some of the non-revenue sports even, uh, or, or, you know, about the basketball team. I've written about them. It's, it's not been, it's not been a fun ride the second half of the season. Um, and, uh, and then like this week, I, I didn't really, uh, plan to write about Demetrius Stanley, but, uh, when, uh, when he did pass, that seemed like a, a natural thing. I, I looked around and I didn't really see a lot of coverage that, that really, showed what an impact that he had in that 96 season. And it was only one season and other guys have had bigger impacts and other guys have had bigger names, but I just felt like that was a story that needed to be told. So a lot of this is going to be just kind of like our, our off season shows, Chip, it's going to be playing it by ear. Exactly. But again, you know, we have a lot to look forward to. I believe spring football begins March 7th. It's going to be spread out throughout uh, until the middle of April. So, uh, you know, I'm sure when we re when we reconvene next month, you know, we'll have a better understanding in terms of, you know, for example, you know, like the freshman who, you know, who is kind of turning heads, you mm -hmm. know, uh, in up in, you know, like getting some that information out, you know, because believe it or not, like those are, you know, sometimes like some of those players that enrolled early, like they do so well, they, they get their black stripe removed. Um, yeah. you know, so, you know, sometimes you have stories like that. And like you said, you know, like the veterans, uh, making moves up the depth chart, you know, so maybe we'll, we'll hear how Jaden Ballard is doing. So, 
there's always information that comes out from from the spring practices. Right. And with a rich tradition and history like Ohio State football has, uh, you can always count on old people like us to maybe take a look back every now and then and uh, and and talk about some of the great games and great players and great seasons that Ohio State have had. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to draw to to draw back on. Put it that way. Yeah. I, I'm going to count on the Chip Minnick breakdown of the 1897 Buckeyes. <laughs> I've got that. I'm not Jack Park. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, you know, I, I, there's a limit, but uh, I appreciate the confidence. All right. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the silver bullets podcast. We thank you for listening as always. Please write to us at silver bullets pod at gmail.com. Read our stuff at land grant, Holy land, uh, dot com and uh, chip any parting thoughts no just uh everyone enjoy uh i guess these last few weeks before spring football kicks off because uh we're about a month away less than a month away so then we'll we'll be right back into it yeah all right well uh, that should do it for february although this is our off-season schedule so uh, basically we are guaranteeing you we're going to have a show every month uh which week we're not sure, but there may be more than one. Just depends on uh, on certain factors. So if certain things happen, you might get more shows. Just uh, the best thing you can do is just to subscribe, and uh, we'd appreciate any five star uh, ratings and reviews you can leave us on whatever podcast app where you get the Silver Bullets podcast. Those little things don't take any time. They're free, and uh, they help us in a in a vast sea of Ohio state podcasts. Uh, they help us get noticed. And and so that's, uh, that's always worthwhile. So we appreciate anyone who does that. So with that said, uh, I think chip, the only thing left for us to do is uh, to do what we always do at the end. And that is to say, go bucks, go bucks. <laughs>